we have a donor who has made sizable gifts to us for the past five years. Recently, she reached out to share that she was laid off a few months ago and has been searching for a position with no luck yet. She also informed us that given her circumstances, she won't be able to make her donation this year. How should we handle this? Should we acknowledge it? And if so, what should we say? Oh my gosh, absolutely you should acknowledge this. This is like, you want to just like hug this donor because yes. usually don't they just fade away? Yes. Like here's somebody that's saying, I like your organization so much. I want you to know that I know you rely on me and yes. I'm not going to be there for you now. And I just want to make sure you're aware of that. This is like, this is like a gold star donor. Absolutely. Yes. So yes, acknowledge it in the most, you know, then the sweetest possible way you can say, thank you so much. We really appreciate you telling us that. Um, if there's a pledge involved, like absolutely just, you know, write off the pledge. It's no big deal. It's not going to kill you. Um, and say, you know, we look forward to, you know, hearing from you again when you're back on your feet. Thank you. You know, and we'll keep you, keep you posted on everything that we're working on and we're not, we'll keep reaching out and just, you know, don't feel pressured by anything we send you. If you know, if you're not in a position to make a donation now, that's great, but you want this person on your side. This is the kind of person that's going to convince other people to donate to you. So do not mess this one up. Oh, Andy, ditto, ditto, and ditto. I <laughs> couldn't agree more. And I was so surprised by this question that I actually would love our listeners, if anyone has another story like this, like a really good positive donor story, since we always hear some of the negative horror stories. like That's true. We do it, only right? get like, I've got this jerk, right? right? <laughs> Here's yeah. this horrible situation. Like send us good things. Yeah. So like this made me, this gave me a little hope, like, oh God, there's good people and good donors left in our world. That's awesome. Right. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. I, I mean, and I do think there is something about, um, I would go even a little, little further and say, when you're, when you're talking to this person, I mean, I think a phone call would be great. Right. And, and just to reassure them, tell them you're so sorry for that. They're in that spot. I would even go as far as asking him, like, may I, you know, may I ask what kind of positions you're looking for? Are there, is there a particular industry you're trying to get into? Because while that is not your job, like you also have a job as sort of as being a connector and the role you play in the nonprofit sector that perhaps you know of something, or maybe someone on your board knows of something. I just, I think helping each other can be amazing. I have had some of them, the longest term, most loyal relationships I've had with for-profit vendors or those that just pick up the phone and say, hey, I know you were going through this and I just wanted to see how you're doing. Or like, hey, I found this resource. I, I'm going to pass this article on to you. I, I don't know if it could be help or here's someone that might be able to help. Like something that has no benefit to your organization, but that like you can actually show this like gold star customer service. I mean- that, that you really care about this person as a person, not just their money, um, I think could be huge. And then I would also put yourself like a little tickler in your database, uh, in your tracking system or your calendar, right, to, to follow up in a few months and just check in and see how the person's doing, like for no other reason, again, than just, hey, I was thinking about you. How are you doing? How's the job search going? Uh, that is just going to only take this relationship further. And, and kudos to you for doing whatever you did to get it to where it was at. Because the fact that you've built that kind of rapport, trust, and relationship with this donor for them to reach out to you in the first place, you are doing something magical. So keep doing it. 
Nonprofit 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 Welcome to Nonprofit Everything, the podcast where hosts Andy Shurek and Stacy Wedding answer your questions about all things nonprofit. Welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. I'm Andy Strick. I'm here with Stacy Wedding, who is amazing. Hey. Uh, we do these intros every time, like over and over again. They all sound exactly the same. There's some information you need to know. This is a podcast. It's about nonprofit stuff. The way it works is you send us questions, Stacy and I answer them, or we get a guest expert to answer them. You have to send us the questions or we will talk about things you don't want to hear about, like children and animals, because we'll totally do that. It's a threat. <laughs> Don't send us any questions and we'll do 30 minutes of kids and puppies and you won't like that. (laughs) Oh, but they might really like that, Andy, because everyone loves kids and puppies. No, but not, not people's kids and animals. Like, seriously, I think like if if you want to make me crazy, if you want to make me totally crazy, like sit down next to me and start talking to me about your kids. Like, really? Oh, this is something I didn't know about you. Okay. Really? I, I don't know. I just, I mean, maybe it's, it's like, have you ever, so I think one of the things that is like the most annoying thing is when someone says, oh my gosh, can I tell you about the dream I just had? Right. Or can I tell you about the dream I had last night? Right. Because it's really interesting to the person that's telling the story, but has like not even the slightest bit interesting to the person that's hearing the story. Oh <laughs> right? my goodness. I, am, I, I swear I have probably done that with you before. I am now going, oh dear, note to self. Don't ever, ever tell you about a dream I've had. Okay. So that was, so there's another threat. So we're going to tell you about kids, about animals, and then the dream that we had. <laughs> okay. I think now instead of asking people to write in with questions, I want them to write in with a kid story, uh, a pet story, or their dream, just to, just to watch you go a little bonkers. That would be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's that kind of podcast though. I mean, I really don't. I think the reason that people listen to it is because they're like, they think these questions are interesting and they like hearing the answers. Not, not because, not because of us. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It's just a, that's just a, um, this is a manifestation of our imposter syndrome, right? Oh, it is. It is. And I agree. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want to admit it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to shut down that imposter syndrome. So don't bring it back up, Andy. Don't, don't do it. But so with all that, let's, I guess, let's answer some questions. I work for a medium sized nonprofit that went fully remote during the pandemic. Now we're mostly back, but many of the staff continue to work remotely. I've noticed that since we're now a hybrid workplace, things have started to feel really strange. We used to have a really great culture. Everybody was laser focused on our mission and it was fun to work in that environment. Now there seems to be much more sniping and complaining and I suspect it's because we're not all together all the time now. To make this even harder, I'm not the CEO or on the board, so I'm not even sure what I can do about it. Help. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. This does, this is terrible. And I I have a feeling that everybody that just heard that question was like, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I feel right now. Cause you're right. The, the, the transition to not being together all the time has made things really hard. 
uh, and and for for a lot of reasons. So in the nonprofit space specifically, so so a lot of the places that went hybrid. So we'll talk about this first. A lot of the places that went hybrid and are doing fine with it is is like transactional work that can be done solo no matter what. Like so, if you were just a bookkeeper and all your your job was just to look at invoices and put them in the system and code them the right way and generate invoices and do nonsense in Excel, then then going you know working remotely had zero effect on you because you didn't ever really need to communicate with other people about what you were doing other than you got to receive the data, then did it and then spit it back out. Um, very few nonprofits have that role. I mean, I can't think of, uh, but a handful of nonprofits that, that have a data entry person whose responsibility is just to do that. Everybody has a very, very social role especially if you're doing development stuff, especially if you're in planning, especially if you're in operations, you've got, you know, you're generating some sort of product, you're working with clients. These are all things that involve human contact. And, and that's really hard to do with when your tools are just technology and you're not in person. The other thing that's really hard to do, and Stacey, I'd love to hear your opinions on this one too, is talking about like big picture strategy, because it's really hard. Like, so I'm trying to think that I feel like best activities in when you're working with other people, the, the best ideas come when somebody just either walks into your office and says, Hey, you got a second, right? Or after some sort of meeting where you've, everybody's had a meeting and then you're leaving the meeting and then somebody comes up to you right after the meeting's over and said, you know what? Right. Because it's not something that you can discuss in a per in person with, you know, 15 other people sitting around. You just have to have a conversation, but it's that, that, that immediate reaction to thinking about something after you've had a group discussion of it, but it's a personal one-on-one -on -one discussion. And how many times have you been in a meeting on a zoom call, right? The zoom call ends, everybody hits leave and then you're just off to the next thing, right? <laughs> Unloading yeah. the dishwasher or whatever yeah. other thing it is you're yeah. doing. There's never any conversation about what we just talked about one-on-one. -on -one. You don't immediately call somebody, at least I don't, and go, hey, so what did you think, right? <laughs> like, which is something that we've completely lost. So, so you're right. It is a huge problem. And, and the solution, I mean, I'd love to hear what Stacy thinks. I think the solution is to be really, really, what's the word? Really intentional about making time and space for in-person human contact. So it's not something that you're going to be doing at the level that you're at. So if you're not the CEO, um, you're not on the board, you can't force anybody to do it, but you could probably start talking to the CEO about it and saying, Hey, look, you know, this, what I've noticed is it's harder to do our jobs because we're not all here all the time. And you can't force somebody to come in if, you know, because people want to work at home now, that's just the way it goes. But maybe there's a way that we can, you know, without making it, you know, mandatory fun, right? Making it so that there's a reason to come in and have conversations that everybody's together for unstructured time that, that has to be in the office so that we can get some of those side conversations going again. What do you think? I agree with that. I mean, my immediate response to this was because I, I feel like the, the person who wrote this said, gosh, I'm not the CEO, I'm not the board, I can't change this. I do think, though, your voice is incredibly important in this because the CEO may not feel it as much as you do. Others, I, I and there's probably, you're also probably not alone. There probably are some people who are who are feeling the way you are and there's others who aren't. So I would encourage you 
to piggyback off what Andy said, to talk to your direct report, whomever that is, or like your direct supervisor, and just to share, hey, I've noticed this. Uh, I'm just wondering if there might be opportunities, because if I'm feeling this way, others probably might be. Can we brainstorm some opportunities at our next staff meeting or whatever, like about what we might do, including the people who are working a hybrid to have a voice in that and something where we come together again and figure that out. So I think that's one thing, because I just don't want you to minimize your voice in this because your voice is important and you're feeling something that's incredibly real. So, so take action on that by having a conversation and even coming up with maybe you do some research online. There's a lot of ideas out there uh, about the ways organizations who have turned and moved into hybrid format are making that work. So figure out, you know, do some research and homework and come forward with some ideas and solutions. I think what's really fascinating, you brought up a really good point I haven't thought about, Andy, about really it being the type of work you're doing, because there are a lot of studies out there that actually show that it's not actually, it's actually working better for a lot of organizations, this hybrid environment. And it's actually not only productivity, but culture hasn't necessarily been impacted. But I'm very curious now that we talk about this, like what are those, the people that took those studies, like what kind of business are they running? Cause I'm sure that has a, that plays a huge factor. The other piece I think that is a solution to think about here, a lot of organizations I know that went into hybrid format actually got experts or people who've been successful with this or read up on people and companies and organizations that have been successful on this and stole from their playbook to adopt to theirs. So for example, like a lot more virtual coffee chats or meetings, even a workspace where everybody, and this sounds probably a little bit silly, like if you haven't done it, I have actually participated in this and it worked really well. We all like knew that there were kind of like these open office working hours where you could just sign into Zoom or whatever platform at any time and just be like hanging out in your own space doing your thing. But like if you had a quick question or wanted to have a side chat, like you would just quickly type it in and then you'd connect. So so building in some of those kind of like even everything from informal hangout places that her online that give you that sort of coffee chatter, like, you know, those, those, uh, hey, hey, we're getting our cup of coffee and connecting types of things can absolutely be done online. And there's people and organizations and companies doing it wildly, wildly well. And so taking a bit from their playbook, like how do you develop it? I think what happened is we got forced into this hybrid environment without realizing there's ways to actually create a healthy culture that that can take place in hybrid. And, and some experts would say, you know, it's, it's not actually where people are doing their work. It's how they feel about their work, how they feel about their colleagues, how they feel about the organization they're working for, how they feel about their managers and how the managers feel about them, that that's actually truly the culture. And it's less to do about where and more about how do, you know, how are all those things happening? So I think knowing that hybrid isn't going away and that we're moving into this new age, we've got to figure out how do we still create those points of connection informally, formally for, for business stuff. And yeah, I still think there should be right an in-person retreat or in-person, hey, we're having a strategy session and we know how these things work. Uh, but I can speak from someone who is pretty 
leery, right? Like I was a little old school when we started to go into this hybrid world. And I've actually been a part of different uh, education and groups where I have seen them do it marvelously well, where like I thought being in the classroom would help me much more. And I actually would have to create a project with someone on my team in this sort of educational setting. And we would do this all online. And I felt super connected to these people and felt like I could get a hold of them whenever I needed to bounce something off of them or, hey, this is what I'm thinking. So I guess some of this, I think, is a mindset shift and trying to figure out how do we create those kind of open mechanisms instead of it being, oh, here's this formal, you know, Google meets Microsoft Teams, Zoom meeting at this time. Like, how do we create more of that organic, like, hey, I need to run this by you. So, so I guess that's a long way of saying, I think the good news is there's some solutions to A, you bringing in some of that culture through some retreats and stuff, but B, and some maybe just talking to your boss and brainstorming as a group together about, about how you make this work for everybody, but B, figure out if you can be more intentional with your online setup so that it, it has some of kind of what you're missing, right? It has some of those, those things that used to build a really cool organization and like make you feel connected and, and, uh, figuring out how you do that online and not online. So I don't know. You think that's a little, what do you think, Andy? Is that progressive of me? Have I moved up in the world? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, as you're talking, I'm just thinking like how insanely complex this is. The, right. The, we've got so many moving parts. There's, there's different types of work. There's different types of people. I mean, one of the things that we've been talking about for years is it's like increasing diversity. So what happens when the the people that decide to stay home happen to be female and the people that go into the office happen to be male? Then what happens to any kind of innovation that's happening? You, you've just handicapped yourself because you don't like you don't have the all of the people in the room anymore. You've subdivided it into people that are willing to show up and people that are that feel more comfortable not showing up. And so I, I think it's just, it's like we've run this massive social experiment on ourselves just by virtue of like, here, we're going to do this thing. And I totally agree that given the choice between a 60 minute commute and not having a 60 minute commute, like people are going to pick, I don't want a 60 minute commute. I feel yeah. much more comfortable sitting in my own space than having to deal with like the office politics of who gets the cubicle closest to the air conditioning vent. Because that's just, I mean, all of the nonsense of having to go into the office and deal with not being in your own personal space. I, I totally get that that's, that makes people happier and more comfortable. I think what, what we have to be careful not to lose is that the reason we got into the nonprofit world is not because we're like social climbers trying to get the highest pay that we possibly can. We're doing this because we're trying to make the world a better place. And in a lot of times, that's not a transactional job. That's a creative job, which is why we like this stuff so much. It's not, there's no playbook that we just have to follow. We're not running uh, dry cleaners, right? It's not super basic. It's really complex and it's really complicated. And that's the reason we like it. And, and for me, I think sharing that having those conversations with people about how do we do this differently? How can we make this better? How can we innovate? How can we tackle this problem? Cause we're all tackling really complicated, super hairy problems. Cause if they weren't, 
we wouldn't exist. Like if we'd solved all of the things, I mean, think of the nonprofit that you're working for right now, if you're working for a nonprofit, there's a mission. And the mission is to solve some sort of social problem, to do something that's going to make the world a better place. Like if it was easy and you could do it in your bathrobe at home, like it would be done already. But instead we need to get together and like come up with like all kinds of interesting, clever solutions, which I think is really hard to do when we're siloed up in our own spaces. So I think you just uncovered like possibly one of the most complicated organizational development challenges that we're going to face for the next 20 years. I would love to see nonprofits get on the front end of that and be leading everybody about how you do it and not waiting until like GM or somebody decides to write the playbook on how we're supposed to work because, because we're smarter than all them anyway. Right. So I love that. And even with that, I do want to share this example and this is contrary to what you've said about the type of organization. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to call it out before I even say it, but for anyone who follows Cisco, right. And I know this is not a nonprofit. This is a humongous company corporation, but they, they have been awarded, yeah. right. And they make things transactional. So all that stuff. And yet they've been awarded the world's best workplace for a number of years, like not, it's something like 95 or 96% employees say it's a great place to work. And they actually will talk about like, we've trained leaders on teams, how they communicate, how do they collaborate, how you build trusted relationships virtually across strong, like across teams and cultures, across geographies, across time zones, and they've figured out how to do it. And I think we also need to push ourselves Again, we are not transactional. We are not a Cisco. Thank God, right? None of us would like be excited about that kind of work or else we would be working there. But but like there are some tools out there. And I can just say as a believer, as someone who has drank the Kool-Aid, right? Like and has gotten involved in some really cool online stuff that I don't even know if I would have had the same. Like I think the online wasn't a diminishing factor. It was... It, it made it quicker, it made it easier. And I, I built some amazing friendships and relationships and professional relationships through online project building and working together. And so, so I go, how do we marry? I just, I, I don't want to totally like say yay to, yay to hybrid with that, like without taking note of what we used to have that I do think there was some really cool gems that came with like what happens when you're all in an office together to your point, Andy, like you just go knock on somebody's door, uh, right? Like, Hey, can I run this by you? Like that's, that's, that's just magical in many times. And so how do we, how do we marry this and be intentional? And I guess that's all I would say is how do we figure out, like, let's be intentional about this. Let's figure out when and where we accomplish both what mechanisms is online truly just for more like information exchange or is it truly because you can build relationships and you can get creative online and there's a million tools to do it. So do we just need to get with the times and start to say, all right, like this is, this is where it's going. There's no going back. And, and we gotta, we gotta figure it out. And so that is a challenge, I think, for all of us, because, you know, I, I still, even though I have drank the Kool-Aid on, on hybrid and, and virtual, I still sometimes miss just the, 
the connection. I miss hugs. Some people hate, I used to have a colleague that hated hugs. So like that, she probably is really tickled about not having to be in an office with hugs. So. <laughs> <laughs> Our board development committee is putting together a recruitment process, and one of the committee members asked if we should ask for references from potential board recruits. I've never heard of this and was wondering what your thoughts are. I think it is a great idea, and I think it's great for several reasons. We know with references, I mean, in general, probably someone's not going to give us a reference if they're applying for a job, unless it's a good reference. So you always have to take that into consideration. But I think you've got some more freedom and flexibility because it's not, you know, it's, it's not the paid position that you can ask some questions and maybe have someone be a little more open to you, you know, open with you about this potential board member, right? So, so asking, you know, what, would you invite this person to be on your board again, right? How long were they on your board? What did they contribute for their board service? What did they struggle with? Or what do you wish they would have done more of? Like, I think there's some really cool questions that can be asked to help you separate those people who are just building a resume, right? And we know there's a lot of those people that go to serve on boards, building a resume or just another thing, you know, that uh, makes them feel, you know, good about themselves at night, even if they don't do anything like, like this is an opportunity to sort of screen through just that one sided lens of this person telling you why they should be on your board. So it's, it's an additional time commitment. So I, my sense is that that's probably why this either hasn't been thought of much or hasn't been done much in the sector or it's saying, I'm not going to, right? Like I can barely recruit as it is. I don't need to add one more step, but I think it'd be interesting. And, and I think it's something that I wish more boards would do. I've had a couple of organizations I've worked with who have done this and they've really enjoyed it. And they've learned things about the, the board member that they want, you know, that they're actively recruiting that really helped them figure out even where to, where they wanted to kind of place or utilize that board member's strengths based on talking to other organizations. So I, I think we have a sector that's open to sharing and helping each other and we should tap into it. That's so like, I need to say like in, in the real world. So like if, Stacy and I were working at the same nonprofit and someone asked that and Stacy said, do that. I'd say, okay, let's do it. But I think cause we're, we're in podcast world. What? Like the, it's so hard to get, it's so hard to get people to join your development committee as it is. Like, why would you throw an additional barrier in, in that process? I mean, I totally get the, I totally get that we want to bring on people that aren't going to be terrible, but it feels like that just seems like so like such an extra step for me. Cause you, wouldn't you always like, you're always talking to somebody about who should we add to our board? And it's like the board members are weighing in. And then you think, well, you know, maybe we just don't want all the same kind of people. Cause they all hang out together. Let's try to get a little bit more diverse and figure out what other areas we can get. So you look at who your current donors are and seeing if there's anybody there. I feel like, like adding, adding that additional barrier of checking references for a committee member is just 
like, I don't know. That's like, and I was, that's one of those things I'd probably roll my eyes so hard. I'd get a cramp. <laughs> well, you're, you're being very real. And I am sure there's many <laughs> listeners like nodding their heads saying, yeah, I totally agree with you. I don't see it. Like it would have to be a requirement. So the way I would position it is make it optional. Like this is optional. And it's kind of like, if you feel like you have no context of this person, or you've not been able to dig up any kind of research, you know, whatever, like there's nothing like it might why would you not like we all know one bad board member can destroy an entire board like and take the organization 10 steps back why yeah. would you not do this like to me it's really hard because probably because i've worked with so many like drama dysfunction filled organizations related to <laughs> boards right and so i sit there and go man maybe we need to add more steps right to make this and you know and i i have this really probably odd philosophy but i share the philosophy because i have watched organizations organizations that make it so easy to get on their board without much of a process attract a certain type of board member and organizations that actually say this is super important to us to find the right person who's going to do the job who's going to show up to meetings and do what you're, you're supposed to do as a board member like we take this seriously every single position uh you know that is on here like was carefully vetted i mean wow that makes me feel super special if i'm that board member like potential board member i'm going wow they take it seriously and good i'm not going to be around a bunch of like you know people that i can't stand or that are you know half-assing it and and that it, i'm doing all the work so so i think there's ways to look at it uh it is it's i mean the but the barrier you just talked about like what you just mentioned andy is the common barrier of why people won't do it i just i go maybe you make it it's not mandatory but it's optional depending on your timing depending on a lot of factors if you have some really reliable people on your on your you know is part of your process that that know this person and can vet for that like vouch for them then then great then you probably don't need to do it but if you if they're coming from nowhere uh, i would probably add it i'd say hey what do you have to lose so see that's why that's why i should just listen to whatever stacy says you've convinced me have i did i turn you around you did, did i have a turnaround okay <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! that's my victory for the day andy just so you know <laughs> great <laughs> you made it through another episode of nonprofit everything or maybe this was your first episode are you a virgin listener very curious if this was your first time let us know what you thought and if it's your like hundredth time we want to hear too because we love all the feedback we get excited particularly me i like the words of affirmation so when we get a nice little love note about saying something nice about us or what we've done, not, you know, like hate mail or anything like I, it makes my day. So thank you for those who take the time to do that. And thank you for listening. And thank you for sending in your questions and keep them coming and keep, I don't know, keeping the nonprofit dream alive, right? Like I just sit there every day and I admire every single one of you that is tied to the nonprofit sector that listens to this because it's a complex world we live in and nonprofits can even be more complex and you somehow just keep pushing through and making the world a better place. So thank you for you. That's, you know what? I was just going to let Stacey end there, but that is such a good point. Like you, you guys, this 
community of folks that work in the nonprofit sector are absolutely the best people. Like if no one's told you, thank you for what you do, no matter what it is, if you're working in the sector and you're doing just the dumbest job from Stacy and I, thank you so much for continuing to do it. It is what just the world we live in. This is, we have to have the nonprofit sector here to help us fix all the stupid mistakes we make. So we really appreciate that you're in that space doing it. If you don't get enough appreciation from the people that you work with or from your donors or from your constituents, know that you have it from Stacy and I. We will absolutely just send us, you know, don't send us a question. Just send us a like, hi, I'm in the nonprofit sector and we will thank you. We will oh, say we will. thank you for doing that. We really appreciate you. And not you just are, for listening to yeah. this, just for doing what you do. Yeah, you are our hero and we heart you. I we wish you totally could see me you. right now. I'm making that little cheesy heart sign with my hands. Mm-hmm.